You're listening to Family Talk, the radio broadcasting division of the James Dobson Family Institute. I am that James Dobson, and I'm so pleased that you've joined us today. Welcome to Family Talk Weekend. I'm Roger Marsh, and thanks for making time during your weekend to take us along or to have us with you at home. Family Talk is listener-supported radio, and your partnership makes these programs possible. We have a great program for you today, so let's jump right in. Welcome to Family Talk, the broadcast division of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute. I'm Roger Marsh. As you may know, Dr. Dobson has been a strong advocate for life for decades. Every person has been designed by our Creator, and God sees each one of us as a precious creation. In fact, the words of Psalm 139 ring particularly true. For you have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. These words of David ring true for all stages of life, including the preborn. On today's classic edition of Family Talk, Dr. Dobson sits down with Pastor John Bornsheen to discuss John's powerful pro-life testimony and his devotion to the fight for life. Well, there's a lot of conversation to get into, so here now is Dr. James Dobson to further introduce his guest on today's edition of Family Talk. We have a guest here today uh, who has been working with Shirley and me for, uh, what, John, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, several years ago, you started a church uh, near here in Colorado Springs out by Fort yeah. Carson. Mm-hmm. And tell me about your church. Oh, well, I, how many broadcasts do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. I, I love talking about our church. Uh, you know, it's one of those where you just say, okay, God is is pushing and he's getting us out of our comfort zones. And for my wife and I, that's what he did. Uh, we were very comfortable in our service and work with the ministries that God has put under your charge and your amazing wife's charge with the National mm-hmm. Day of Prayer. And I've had the privilege of serving her for 12 years. And the need for prayer in America is great. Uh, if it's ever a day when we need prayer, it's today. And yet, at the same time, God was burdening us to get behind the pulpit, get into that place of shepherding, of being with people. I think the greatest burden I was starting to see is prayerlessness. And instead of talking at pastors, I wanted to talk with them. I wanted to come alongside them and understand their burdens, praying with people, mobilizing prayer right here in Colorado Springs. And so God gave us a, a family of military people, people who are serving our country day in and day out. And it has been growing every year. So it's Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, and, and we are just excited to be serving there. Now, John, we're going to do something very unusual today. Um, uh, you have had a family history that mm-hmm. will touch the hearts of our people. Uh, I know uh, where you came from, and I know some of the circumstances, uh, particularly in the lives of your uh, mother, who was very young at the time. And you have uh, written your story 
and you have a copy of it in front of you. I could interview you about it, but I would like you to just read what you have written because it is really very remarkably stated. Mm. And uh, let's start with you uh, reading that. We don't often read things on the broadcast, but um, I would love for you to do that today, and then we'll talk about it. Well, thank you. This is a, I will do my best not to choke up. Every time I read this, it's very personal for me. And you, you started at the top. There's a line at the top of this statement. It's almost a letter. And it says, I am alive because of prayer. That's right. Tell us about it. Well, let me read this. And I, I pray that these words uh, touch someone today. As you're listening to this, it's, this is my story. It's very real, very personal. Let me take you back to 1973. Uh, During that year, gasoline was 40 cents a gallon. The Sears Tower opened in Chicago. The U.S. withdrew its troops from Vietnam. Uh, Skylab had launched into space, and Nixon declared, I am not a crook, during the Watergate hearings. Billie Jean King defeated Bobby Riggs during the Battle of the Sexes tennis match, and the Supreme Court rendered a decision on January 22nd, making abortion a U.S. constitutional right. It was also during this year that the course of my life was dramatically altered before I had ever taken my first breath. You see, it was 1973 that my mother, only a teenager at the time, fled for her life. She was running away from the sexual abuse she had endured at the hands of her stepfather. Living in perpetual fear, her only recourse was to run. She made her way to California, where she found a group of other troubled teens. The leader of the pack was a smart but wayward mechanic who was also a drug runner. Trouble is a magnet for the lost, an oasis to the broken. The group welcomed my mother, and she followed her angry heart into their open arms. The phrase troubled youth does not adequately describe the rebellious outcry that became her defense against vulnerability. In her mind, she would never again be the victim. Yet in the midst of bad choices and a lifestyle that was sure to lead her to prison, she became pregnant. This seems to have been the inevitable outcome of this environment of free love— Uh, with an endless supply of drugs and alcohol. So like so many others in her position, she made the only choice that seemed right. After all, how could she possibly raise a child when she couldn't feed herself and had little desire to be alive? The man responsible encouraged her to abort the baby, and she did. The effects to her body were harmful. She bled horribly, and the scar tissue was severe. Suddenly aware of the brutal reality, that she had just become victim of her own choices, she cried out to God for help, a God she didn't know and resented. But this experience didn't stop her from returning to the lifestyle she knew. It wasn't long before she became pregnant again. Despite the scar tissue, shocked and disbelieving, she again determined to end this life interruption. But as she contemplated in exasperation, the God she had cried out to answered her. At that moment, she knew she had to take a stand. God had intervened. My mother made the decision for life and chose to carry her baby to term. Doctor, if I may just intervene, I think this was one of my original letters I wrote. I want to just make sure that the audience understands that you were a critical piece to that. And I shared that with you in a separate letter that as I was writing these words, my mother and I, we didn't have an open conversation really about this. And it didn't come out till later where she finally unveiled to me that that God had used you. She heard your voice on the radio. She'd heard 
others speaking into her life, and it was a Holy Spirit moment. And, and I, I was I talking about abortion? You were, I think, you know, nineteen seventy-five, seventy-six, right in that area. You were a voice for the unborn. And to this day, when she found out that I was going to be working with you, she had never told me up until a decade into my tenure at Focus on the Family that you had done this. She was so embarrassed. She was so wounded by her own past that we didn't even talk about these things. And she said it was Dr. Dobson's voice on the radio that was one of those Holy Spirit moments that turned me around that day. So that influenced her. Hearing that broadcast influenced her. That's right. To not have the abortion. That's right. That's right. God used that. That was one of the many voices she heard. And she didn't listen to Christian radio. She wasn't a believer. She was coming from an extremely broken home. And I'll elaborate on that a little more here with this letter. But I just want you to know that it was because of your faithfulness Mm -hmm. to stand in the gap. She just remembered your young, passionate voice and defending life and yeah, I think it was later he said you wouldn't cast a vote for anyone who would dare take the life of the unborn. And she just remembers that passion. So I really am here today because you stood in the gap. John, I give the Lord the credit for that because uh, it, I ached over what was happening. That was two years into the Roe v. Wade decision and mm-hmm. era. And my pastor was not talking about it. Uh, other Christians, uh, at least in the Protestant realm, didn't seem to understand it, didn't seem to care. Mm. Uh, it never came up. And I had many, many Christian friends saying, why do you get all excited about this? This mm. is the law of the land. This mm. is what the Constitution says. And uh, I began railing mm. on behalf of the unborn child. And uh, it, it was a message that uh, was placed in my heart by my heavenly father and by, frankly, my earthly father who had a big uh, impact. But uh, for you to be one of those that says this baby was saved because of that work, mm-hmm. I am very, very grateful for that, and I yeah. don't take the credit for it. Go on with the letter. Okay. But this experience didn't stop her from returning to the lifestyle she knew. It wasn't long before she became pregnant again, despite the scar tissue Shocked and disbelieving, she became determined to end this life interruption, but she contemplated in exasperation. The God she had cried out to answered her. At that moment, she knew she had to take a stand. God had intervened. My mother made the decision for life and chose to carry her baby to term. But here's the cold reality. There wasn't a red carpet awaiting her when she returned home that night. There were no flowers in a thoughtfully positioned vase. There was only the reality that she was about to become a young mom. She still had no idea how she was going to make it through tomorrow, let alone the next day or the day after that. She had no support and no plan, but that wasn't a problem for the God who had just touched her heart. He was about to make a way in the wilderness, and I praise God for the pregnancy centers across America that are doing this service for women every single day. They aren't just engaged in the business of saving babies, they are engaged in the business of saving lives. By reaching out to the moms and dads that society has turned its back against, they are God's hands in action, giving medicine to the brokenhearted and hope to the hopeless. Mm. That's only the beginning of her story. There were still more turns and twists to come, but God was present in each part of her journey. 
My mother decided it was time to move forward with her life. She moved, took a new job, and tried to create an environment suitable for her new son. She knew the best place for her son was at a church, and there just happened to be a small but growing church down the road from her new home, Terry Road Baptist Church. She contacted the church, acquired the van schedule, and prepared to send me off to Sunday school the next weekend. As much as she wanted to, she felt that she couldn't take those first steps into church herself. She was too ashamed of her past. She was scared. She would be judged, confronted, but she didn't want those fears to hold back her son. Her strength and firm resolve against vulnerability would serve her well to push through those tough decisions. So my mother did one of the bravest things I can remember. She walked me right through the front doors of that little church. And you know what? Not one person put their finger to her chest, judged her for her previous life. No, the body of Christ acted like the body of Christ, welcoming her with open arms. I have fond memories of Sunday school, friends, fun, and stories of hope and redemption. I took home all of my art projects, those illustrated stories of Noah, Moses, and Jesus. My mom would take those projects into her hand, smile, pull me in with a warm embrace. She would then put magnets to all four corners and proudly display them on the refrigerator. Little did I know that each weekend those stories were opening her heart to God more and more. At just eight years old, I was an evangelist. As a result, my mother started attending regularly, gave her heart to Jesus Christ, and I accepted Christ right there with her. Eventually, she became the church secretary, planned the youth programs, and even went to work for Dr. Charles Stanley in Atlanta, Georgia. What a turnaround. Sure, she made some mistakes, but God had a greater plan for her life, and she took the baton and ran with it. The essence of it is that your mother was totally, completely lost. Like you said, she had no plans. She had no future. Uh, There was no one to take care of her. And yet she heard a message of love and accepted a relationship with Christ. And he began to work in her life and also in yours. That's right. Now, John, we need to know the rest of the story. Um, This explanation that you wrote uh, and that we just heard you read goes back to the year 2000. But the truth of the matter is you didn't know that you were the little baby that was about to be aborted. And you didn't find that out till you were grown. I I did not. In fact, my mother and I, we just didn't talk about this. This is one of those pasts that I I can't imagine the burdens that my mother was holding on to for all of these years. And in fact, I had already started my work uh, alongside you and was doing the work of ministry. and, and, And she finally came forward and said, I need to tell you something. You need to know the truth of how God has worked in this situation. So you didn't know any of the story that we just heard? No, no. I I knew that uh, my mother had been through difficulty, but I didn't know that I was the baby that almost wasn't. In fact, I didn't know how many decisions to take life that that my mother had to bear for so long. I, I made three decisions before you to take the life of those babies. And they were aborted. They were, all three. All three in a very short period of time. you were saved. I was. I mean, you see how God has worked in this. and It's been amazing. If I can, just for the last four years, I just want to share with your listeners. We we had the privilege in 2012 of talking about some of this, about my, my history growing up and what God had 
revealed, and, and you invited me on the broadcast because I wrote you a letter, and I wanted you to know that you are a warrior in this culture. I wanted you to know that after my mother shared with me what she had finally opened up to convey to me, that you needed to know that because of your obedience to Almighty God and standing in the gap, I was here today as a result of that. And I just couldn't wait to tell you. So I penned you a letter just you to did. personally thank you for that. And then you invited me on the broadcast. Well, because I told my mother, guess where I'm going? I'm going <laughs> on the broadcast with Dr. Dobson. Uh, and the conversation. Said, Don't you dare. <laughs> it, what it she was said. hard. It was hard. I mean, because she had only given me a glimpse of her struggle and the pain that she had gone through. And this was dividing our family, all of this history and the pain that was involved. And it's one of those things, even as a believer, you just go, let's focus on what God is doing now. Let's not talk about that. Let's not bring that up. Where we're at is where God wants us to be. But what she hadn't really addressed was the fact that in her were all of these wounds that were still deep down inside, scars, a brokenness, a feeling of worthlessness that she truly could not be fully redeemed by the blood of Jesus. She had made too many bad choices and that God was still upset with her over these things. She hadn't released that. And so here on the outside, we looked like the perfect Christian family to everybody. I'd already been working in ministry. Everything looked like it's going great. And then she finds out I'm going on the broadcast with you to talk about some of our life journey. And she just broke down and wept and just finally unleashed Here's the truth. You need to know that I have had three abortions, and I was this close to making you number four. And had it not been for God using that man to stand in the gap, you may not be here today. And she has carried that shame. And, and through this process, doctor, ever since our last broadcast on this, people need to know that it has opened up conversation in our family that has brought so much healing. What they heard was a story of hope, and there was even greater hope on the horizon. John, there is healing for others at that point, which is why I wanted you to be here. Hmm. Uh, we're talking to a lot of people, a lot of women particularly, who have walked this same path. It may not have involved abuse, but it is certainly yeah. involved sexual sin and and uh, the sin of abortion. And yet, even though God has forgiven them, they haven't forgiven themselves. But right. they can find that forgiveness Amen. because God is the God of not only current sin, but sin that he is forgiving and canceled. Hmm. And uh, that will be very encouraging to a lot of the people who are listening to us. Uh, what else did your mother tell you? Oh, my. Well, after our broadcast, uh, the journey felt like it only began. I, I, here I thought we were now telling of the testimony of the work that Jesus Christ had done, where my mother coming out of this horrific start and and how God really brought me down a path of ministry service, this, this ministry person who would never have been had you not stood in the gap, had she not listened to the Holy Spirit, and I wouldn't be here pastoring a church today had that story gone the way the enemy had wanted it. How does that make you feel to know 
the role that the Lord played in your life. It is so humbling. I, I mean, when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that he uses the broken things, he uses the weak to bring down the strong, the foolish to shame the wise, I think that is my resume. And I think that all of us, should, we really can identify with that, that God intentionally plucked out the weakest. He picks King David, and he wasn't even in the room. His own dad didn't even think that he was to be king of Israel. You, you go take care of the sheep. The boys and I have this. Yeah. And he always uses the underdog, and I just praise him for that. I think everyone listening today can probably look in the mirror and feel like an underdog from time to time. And that's whom God uses, and it's so exciting. And ever since we shared that story, I had the privilege of sharing that story with you on the broadcast. My mother and I had this these moments of healing that I can't put to words. She came to one of the galas. After I came on the broadcast with you, I was invited by a number of pregnancy centers to share my testimony. And the last one that was here in Colorado Springs, she came to. And they gave her a standing ovation. She then signed up with that pregnancy center here in Colorado Springs, went through the healing process, had a memorial service for the three babies whom she had chosen to take their life, named them because she felt the Holy Spirit gave them names. And now she's counseling other women. This all happened in the last six weeks. I, so, I mean, this is fresh and it's exciting and it's all because of you, doctor. I, oh, I can't serve you enough in my gratitude. <laughs> that, but it's a miracle any way you slice it. Oh. And you've got brothers and sisters in heaven that you don't know about or haven't known about. I haven't. And they, the way they go through a memorial service, how they she had to, she bought clothes for them and and put that right underneath their candles and had a memorial and service. She get healing from it. Oh, our relationship is unbelievable right now. The release, the feeling that God has forgiven her, that she's had that moment of reconciliation with God has brought such healing into our family. She now has had her mom come and now living with her two weeks ago because she wants to be a caretaker. She feels this release of just service now. And it's just amazing, the domino effect, the ripple in the pond, whatever you want to call it, it's impacting our whole family story. And all of that, because a man on a radio who honored God said, choose life. Oh, praise God. What a story. Well, John, uh, referring to my situation, as you know, I left focus on family and everybody thought I was going to retire and expected us to. And I said to Shirley, I just feel God's hand in my back mm -hmm. because the job is not done. The babies are still being killed. Families yeah. are still falling apart. Yeah. And uh, we have an opportunity to reach a lot of those people. And how can we go sit on a front porch someplace that's right. and retire? And that's why we're still here, because we're attempting to do what we can in a broken world, a Amen. broken society. Uh, yeah. John, you give me encouragement. You give me strength. And uh, I am uh, grateful that you now are out there speaking on these subjects. You said you've been to a crisis pregnancy center. You feel called? I to do. do that. I, I, and in fact, I'm encouraging my mother to do the same. Uh, she had, uh, in fact, we talked about that of would she ever be a voice for women going through this? And I said, that would be a Holy Spirit move of God. And now she's counseling and she's serving in a pregnancy center. I believe she will, and I'm excited for what God's about to do. 
Well, John, I appreciate you. I surely appreciate you. And uh, I'm so glad that you came to be with us today. Thank appreciate you. you being here to talk about what could be an unmentionable subject. Mm. This could be something that neither you nor your mother could talk about. Mm. This could be something that you never reveal to the outside world. But God's done a miracle here yes. in your life, in her life, and now in the lives of those you touch. Amen. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the kind words that you said. Oh. But we know who gets the credit. Oh, wait, we, we love you, Dr. Dobson. And I know all your listeners around the world love you. So thank you for standing in the gap. Wow, a truly incredible story of love and redemption here on Family Talk. And if you'd like to learn more about John Bornsheen, his story, or his church, visit our website at drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. You know, even though Roe versus Wade was overturned in June of 2022, the fight for life is far from over. To push the pro-life movement forward in a post-Roe world, we need to reach more hearts and minds to make abortion unthinkable. In today's culture, we are still facing some significant challenges, such as the mail-order abortion pill and the continuous slander of pro-life organizations. Fortunately, pro-life leaders Kristen Hawkins and Dr. Robert and Carlotta Jackson say there is reason for hope. You can listen to their powerful testimonies on the Standing Strong for Life CD. It's a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute. In it, you'll hear how God is moving in mighty ways to end abortion once and for all in this country. Now, we'll be happy to send you a copy of the Standing Strong for Life CD. It's our way of thanking you for your gift of any amount in support of Family Talk today. To get yours, simply visit our website at drjamesdobson.org. Then select the Resources tab and then click on Store. From there, simply search for the title Standing Strong for Life and make your request known. We are a completely listener-supported broadcast outreach. We truly appreciate your prayers and financial support. So thank you for requesting this special resource today. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you'll join us again for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Till then, have a blessed day. This has been a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute.